Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Three, two, one. Here we go. We back. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. Streaming live on YouTube. We on Facebook. And, of course, I am your host, Will. What's happening, people? What's happening? Coming up today, we will pick up our State of the Unit series. Yes, sir. Talking about offensive tackles. I'm going to tell you why I think we are in a good and bit of a bad situation. There will be a lot of movement happening on today's show in regards to the bottom of the roster for offensive tackles. And eventually, at some point, there will be a lot of movement at the top. All right? Plus, in the roundup, the Cowboys seem to be out on this possibility. And for right now, I do not blame them. We'll get into that, Cowboys Nation. What's good, Bomb Squad? How y'all doing, man? Bomb Squad! Yes, sir. Hope y'all 4th of July weekend was good. Hopefully you had a safe one. You didn't have a backup Terry moment. You didn't have a JPP moment. We had neither of those. We did get some fire. Let me tell you something about Texas. I didn't realize Texas fireworks uh, regulations, whatever you want to call it, seemed to be a a bit more lenient than in, in Pennsylvania. So, you know, we went to the little fireworks store and got some legitimate ones and uh, we had a good time out here in our neighborhood. I appreciate them for not tripping about it. Plus they were doing their own thing too. Now, Back in PA, depending where you're from, or even across the country, depending where you're from, you kind of got to take these these loud noises into consideration, and, and hopefully it's just fireworks. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, we'll get into that in a second, uh, Tom. But uh, hopefully, hopefully everyone had a good one. They got the cookouts going. They, they, they saw their family or friends, or they just chill. You know, some, some people just had off and, and just relaxed and got a chance to kind of recharge for the week and that's what i got a chance to do uh recharge for the week will be on from today to friday then next week i will be off but we'll have a full slate of shows this week and before we get into our uh training camp series the following week cowboys nation swain said forget them neighbors (laughs) yo wow man all right here's what we're gonna do we're gonna jump into this roundup come out of the roundup and we're gonna get right into the state of the unit um, we're going to talk about, it's weird, man, because this offensive line, this tackle situation at the very least, they have players that might not play tackle. We're not quite sure what they're going to do just yet until we get down there in training camp. So I omitted some players. I submitted some players. And once we get to the interior, we may come back to a couple of these dudes, but, uh, stick around. I think it will be a good show. And of course you can call into the show. If you would like three, five, one, nine, 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 three, seven, eight, seven is the call in line it'd be nice to hear from y'all it's been a while all right so let's get into this roundup right now 
It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Hey, yo. Should I say, hey, Jerry? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Jones apparently has a docuseries in the works with Netflix. Netflix outbid. ESPN, Amazon, and apparently a few other outlets to get this series. It's a 10-episode docu-series on the legendary owner, Jerry Jones. Now, reports are that this is going to be similar to The Last Dance, I guess, The Last Dance Bull series, or it's going to comparisons, I should say, to The Last Dance the Michael Jordan Bull series, if you watch that, ESPN and Netflix kind of combined on that thing. So that makes sense to me, right? Because The Last Dance was mostly 90s derived. And everything that the Cowboys, in regards to nostalgia and success, is mostly 90s derived. So this is what the reports are saying here. Uh, there will be unseen interviews with Troy Aikman, Emma Smith, Michael Irvin, uh, probably some other guys who wouldn't be shocked if you happen to catch Darren Woodson on there or something like that as well. So that's really what's going on around Jerry. And when I see this, I, I look, man, th this is this just makes sense. <laughs> this is Jerry Jones, you know, and I think this is kind of what he's been regulated to. Y'all remember how you know, I come in here and I say they basically have Jerry doing this type of stuff and. Hey, man, let's let's go book the Jonas Brothers for things like that's Jerry. Let's get blockchain. That's Jerry Jones. That's pretty much what he's been regulated to. Um, and if there is massive issues in, internally, you know, coaching wise, player wise, something like that, then he may step in and, and be him. But but Jerry Jones, for the most part, has been regulated to this. You know, now when he's hiring guys, yeah, Jerry Jones is stepping back into the ranks. But <sighs> Jerry Jones, man, you, you, look, if you're into this type of stuff, you're going to love this type of stuff. Me personally, I, I would love for something to happen in the present day to where we can make a Netflix documentary and be proud of it. Right. I've done seen all the 90s docs. I don't need to see another. I don't understand this one. I don't need to see another 90s documentary on the Dallas Cowboys. Just me personally, you know. I'm pretty sure everybody out there has seen them all. Read about it, saw all the interviews, the documentaries, the the NFL history channel, all that type of stuff. We've seen it. Jerry, I, I can care less about this documentary, to be completely honest. But Jerry is going to market the hell out of it. It's going to go on Netflix. It's going to do numbers because we are America's team. And that's just how it works. Moving along. Reports last week, right before, I believe, the end of the week, or maybe at the end of the week, uh, and it came from Jane Slater, and I got a chuckle because of Jane Slater has kind of been a bit, you know, hot or cold this offseason. But nonetheless, Jane Slater said the Cowboys at this moment are, are not interested in, in the Ezekiel Elliott talk. She said this, quote, they're just not talking about it. 
When I asked, asked if there was a situation where they would bring him back, it sounds like the answer is the same I've gotten from a number of different teams, not just Dallas, but a number of different teams. It would basically require an injury to one of their other running backs. As much as I know, a lot of guys in the locker room would love to have Zeke back. There just doesn't seem like there's a lot of smoke there right now. And quote. So here's the thing. We talked about this on the final word when I was on the final word with Boston Law OC uh, Big Game James. We all talked about this. And as much as James has been hit or miss, <laughs> this actually makes sense. Why would they be talking about it? Why Why would they have to have a bunch of conversations about Ezekiel Elliott? They quite literally know everything you could possibly know about Ezekiel Elliott. This isn't like your normal free agent where you got to put in a homework, you got to send out the FBI agent, you got to go, you know, to the hometown. They know everything they need to know. Zeke knows everything they need to know about that. So if there was going to be a potential reunion, which I don't quite think it's ruled out just yet. I personally don't believe they need to at this moment. But if there's going to be a potential reunion, they don't have to do any talking or any homework. So I tend to believe this part. And I also agree that they shouldn't have any interest at this moment. Let's get to training camp. Let's see what these running backs can do. Let's get to some preseason games. Like I said before, I I think it's going to take preseason games. Let's see what these running backs can do. And if there's a guy behind Zeke or guys behind Zeke that can't quite cut it, then you pick up the phone and you call guys that are available. And Ezekiel Elliott is probably one of those guys. But as of right now, there just doesn't need to be any conversation about bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. It makes zero sense right now. None. We'll see what happens once we get down there into camp. We'll see what happens once we get down there into preseason. Uh, and, and like she said, injuries. If an injury happens, sure. But you do not need to be up in a, in a panic to, to re-sign Zeke at this moment, especially if Zeke wants to come back to the Cowboys and there's interest, like legitimate interest in Dallas. They can just wait. Who is clamoring for Ezekiel Elliott to be in training camp? Nobody. No one. I digress. Uh, Danny said, I see four or five guys getting a shot, getting jobs, not a shot. In the league before Ezekiel Elliott. Well, don't get twisted. I think Zeke would definitely get a job somewhere. 100%. Um, I mean, there's still, there's D Hop still out there. Dalvin Cook is still out there. But these guys are going to play somewhere in the league. Um, but, but veterans like that, especially at the running back position, um, where you got a lot of carries from Zeke, got a lot of carries on Dalvin Cook, a lot of touches in years, uh, injuries on uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't, necessarily think they're in the market of wanting to be in camp right away or having to do all the travel right away now if somebody gives them the bag you're going to do what you got to do but i could see those dudes waiting until training camp 100 i can see those dudes waiting uh until teams get injured or or they get about second or third week in training camp especially you know what i ain't gonna say especially because training camp in cali the weather's beautiful so yeah it's not that bad compared to if you had to be here in Dallas outside for six weeks, you know? So I ain't going to trip about it that much, but he'll get a shot. He'll be on somebody's team as well as those other guys. Will it be in Dallas? T-B-D. But as our de facto general manager, 
Stephen Jones likes to say, at the end of the day, Cowboys Nation, me personally, the success of your running game uh, largely depend on depends on what's in front of you, largely depends on the play calling. Um, and that's kind of where we want to start at in regards to the offensive line, the trenches, right? The Cowboys, for the most part, over the last four seasons or under Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, when he's been a lead back or what have you, have been a really good run run team overall. Over the last four years, though, um, the numbers overall are solid, but it's kind of those minor details that matter, right? Like the, the play calling, the, the scheme, the game planning, um, the philosophy, the attitude is, is what, what Zach says is, is coming back. That was never really a thing consistently here in Dallas from a run game standpoint. No, sir. But they were largely successful in regards to overall numbers. You look at uh, top 10 rushing team. You look at rushing touchdowns. Those things are going to be there. Pass blocking wise, last year, they kind of took a dip in regards to pass blocking win rate, right? They were one of the bottom four or five teams or something like that. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because the guy that we brought in, Mike Solari, actually took over probably a worse, not even probably, definitely a worse unit in Seattle and saw some changes, some good changes over there, depending on which metric you look at. But in overall, in general, he saw we saw some good changes in Seattle. So let's kind of start with uh, Mike Solari and the bottom of this depth chart for offensive tackles. Now, before I get to Solari, you'll notice uh, Bostic's there, who is obviously a, a tackle on this team. But you'll see a Seam Richards, or Awesome Richards is really what he, his name. Like I said at the beginning of this show. There's going to be a couple guys. Awesome Richards, uh, Chima Idoja, Josh Ball. Hell, you could even argue, you could argue, Ty, Ty Smith, who are going to be doing quasi-guard tackle things, but we just won't know immediately what they're going to be until you get a couple weeks out of training camp. Honestly, you won't know exactly until we get down there in training camp where these guys are going to be at. So, You'll see a couple of these guys get thrown in on the interior. Some get thrown in the outside. We'll see where they elect to play. Well, let's start with Coach Mike Solari, okay? Mike Solari has been around this league for a very long time. Very, very long time. Since 1987, all right, with these Cowboys. It's a thing here. He was with Tom Landry on his way out. But, and, and people can, you know, key key and laugh about it. But throughout his tenure as an offensive line coach or assistant or wherever he's been, he's had a lot of success. Stops at San Francisco, Kansas City, the Giants. He's been everywhere. But his previous stop, his last stop, his latest stop, I should say, was in Seattle. And I would deem his Seattle stint from 2018 to 2021, I would deem that a success. Anybody remember Tom Cable? Uh, Tom Cable, I think he went on to be the head coach for the Raiders briefly. But he was an offensive uh, line coach in Seattle. And those lines were not good. They were, in fact, they were bad. And that's saying something because a lot of the Seattle lines during Solari's tenure, we were questioning like, hey, man, we what's happening here from this, from that. But when you really dive into it, which I had to do, I did it when we hired him. I did it again. There was actually an improvement under Mike Solari from Tom Cable. In his first year, 
in Seattle, they jumped to third overall and passed Black Winrick. Third overall. <laughs> you wouldn't think that with Seattle. In fact, his four seasons in total, he averaged out to 10th overall and passed Block Winrick in Seattle. You might be saying, well, what about the sacks or the, the Russell Wilson is not easy to block for. If you if you watch Russ a lot, Russ is a guy that runs into to trouble. That, that's just Russ. But the, the statistic in general, not saying it's the end all be all, right? But the statistic in general takes into account how fast you're getting beat off the snap. Not necessarily a bunch of scrambling. Nonetheless, PFF didn't much like their offensive line. But from a pass block win rate standpoint, they were a pretty solid unit. And I think Mike Solari obviously helped in that in that aspect. You could also go to the running game if you want to go to the running game too. Now, uh, Tom Cable in his final season didn't have a, a running back. I don't believe over 250 yards, something like that. Enter Mike Solari and Brian Schottenheimer, by the way. Those two guys work together. They have that history. He also has a history with Mike McCarthy. And those dudes were constantly like a top 10 rushing team for the most part. At one point, they led the league in rushing. Was it all Mike Solari offensive line? No, because their offensive line was still not the greatest from a talent standpoint. But I think he helped coach them into being respectable in certain aspects. So then what the hell happened in Seattle, Scott? They decided to move on from Mike Solari after they moved on from Brian Schottenheimer. Now, they gave it a year, okay? Schottenheimer got let go. They brought in Shane Waldron, who was still the offensive coordinator over there in Seattle. And those two guys, I want to say clashed physically and yelling and screaming, but their philosophies clashed. Waldron comes from the Rams, McVay, Solari, doesn't come from that school of thinking. And they also hired the... Uh, an assistant offensive line coach that worked with the Rams who brought, who was brought on in Seattle to be kind of a guy to help mold Shane Waldron's scheme. So essentially they brought in his replacement, but kept Solari around. Think of it as 2015. I think it was, I think it was 20. No, no, no. 2013. Got to get my dates right here. But remember when the Cowboys had Bill Callahan, Callahan was the offensive coordinator. Then he got stripped, but and, and he got demoted to just purely offensive line coach. Callahan said, hey, man, can I go? They said, nope. So he stuck around, I want to say, for the 2014 season. I, I can't quite remember, but he stuck around for one more year. And then they let him go, and, and, and it was uh, Scott Linehan who took over completely. Think of it kind of in that similar situation. They kept Solari around. One more season, their philosophies clashed. Boom, he was gone after the 2020 season. And here we are, two years later, with Mike Solari. So they asked Coach Mike Solari during the draft, which I'm surprised they don't have his video just up because we don't hear from Coach Solari. We hear the, we hear the players talk about him. Um, he doesn't do he doesn't seem like a guy that's an interview type of guy. But he did do an interview during the draft, and he asked Coach Solari about what he looks for in his offensive lineman or what is one of those traits. I think it was Brian uh, Broadus who asked him, what's one of those traits that you just can't teach or you're, you're really looking for in an offensive lineman? And this is what Coach 
uh, Solari had to say. If you had to pick a number one trait for a lineman, just say, I, I, give me this guy, give me this trait, what would that be for somebody that would play for you? Again, length. You, know, length. you, you can't coach length. You know, you, and again, that's a great thing about the Cowboys. They've done a great job here at the offensive linemen here that have length in the sense of talking about, you know, with the arms and so forth. And uh, you really kind of emphasize first significant touch, you know, getting your hands on the defender before he gets his hands on you. So that's really a significant thing that we're looking for. When you talk about length, let's go back to this real quick. How do you not start with Matt? Well, let's go, right? Six foot eight product out of, uh, or, sorry, out of North Dakota. Not state, North Dakota. Six, eight. Uh, I think we talked, not two, but via the chat here. I know Danny keeps asking, well, what's his weight? What's his weight? Apparently, it looks like Matt Willesco's put on some more lean, like some more muscle. I don't necessarily know how much that translates to weight-wise, but that was going to naturally happen. A guy who was already coming in offseason last year, uh, wiry and, and young and no really offseason peanut butter. This is the first year he'll get that offseason peanut butter. Plus, he had the whole shoulder situation. So he got the shoulder surgery. And we'll see where he goes from here. It sounds like he's having a solid camp at this exact moment. But Matt Willetsko, when I went back and rewatched Matt Willetsko, here's, here's what I'll say about him last year. By the way, 36 and 1 8 inch arms put, puts him at the 92 percentile among tackles. <laughs> so we were talking about length. Matt Willetsko is a guy that, that has length in spades. But when I went back and watched Matt Willetsko, I'm going to say this. First, he was much better than Josh Ball. I, I will give him that. He looked more comfortable over there. He looked more sure of himself over there. He was much better than Josh Ball. And the one and only game that he played, if you guys remember, he injured the shoulder in training camp, did not come back until the very end of training camp to do to play in this Seattle game. But at the end of the day, I do think if Walesco had to play, would he have been better than Ball? Sure. But would he have been better than Jason Peters? Would he have been better than than, than the other guy? I don't think so. I, I don't think Matt Walesco would have been a guy year one you were ready to count on. And that's something that going into the season, we were saying. He, he needed to be a guy that was a reserve that can get in the weight room, can build up his game, get stronger, get better. Hopefully, that's what happens. Uh, if he gets better at the point of attack, stronger at the point of attack, a little better with his hands, right? When you watch this game, I thought you saw him deal with, and again, this is preseason last year against Seattle, so I'm not trying to take it totally out of context here. But when you're when you're looking at linemen, I think you're not necessarily trying to look at the competition they're playing. You're trying to look at the movements. You're trying to look at the technique. Uh, how's his hand placement? What is his anchor like? What is what is his? How is he firing out? Is he shooting fast? Is he confident? And I think you saw some of the positives about Willesco, and you saw some of the things that said, okay, he's got to get better in this aspect. You saw the potential, but you saw the flaws. And there's one right there, the strength, right? The anchor. At six foot eight, it's tough to sit that, as they say, sit that ass down <laughs> and, and get in and you know, get dig dug in for guys that are going to be stronger, the bosses of the world that's going to push against you. Um, but he's nimble. He's got the athleticism. He's got the length. Uh, I definitely think he has the IQ. I think it's better than Josh Balls. In fact, uh, I'd argue, you know, he dealt with some of those stunts a little better than some other guys in preseason and in training camp that are more highly touted. And I'll just leave it at that. But nonetheless, 
if Matt Willett's go proves that he got stronger, the injury situation is behind him. There's something there, and I and I believe the ceiling at this. There's something there for him to be a va- a va- valuable swing tackle. Hopefully, left tackle because there's a different conversation we'll have later. But a valuable swing tackle. So there's something there with Matt. Well, let's go. Um, I don't know necessarily that he'll see the field this year, depending on what they decide to do with Tyler Smith, and we'll get to that later. But if you have to. And this is very early. We're talking about July 5th here, man. Y'all ain't even really seen him out there. None of us have. We just we just got preseason tape and reports that we've heard. If you had to put a number on it, though, your confidence level in Matt Willetsko uh, having to step in at left tackle during the season between 1 and 10, if you can give me one. The confidence level in Matt Willetsko, if you had to step in at left tackle during the season, and it, it may be not a fair question because we haven't seen him in practice, and we obviously haven't seen a, a preseason game. But I'm going to take the easy route out, and I, I'm just going to sit here and just put a dead smack in the middle. Let's <laughs> just put it at five. Uh, not great, not 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 bad, just kind of five. You know, it's he has a lot to work on, you know, strength-wise. He has a lot to work on with his hands, but I don't know if those things have improved just yet. As Law likes to say, a lot of known unknowns with Matt Willetsko. But I put a dead smack in the middle. I, I'm not going to fake the funk and act like I'm super confident in this guy. I, I'm not. But I'm also not going to act like the world is over if he gets put in there. So I'm at a five with it. And, and I'm honestly kind of taking the easy route out because I'm putting dead smack in the middle until I see more. Now, when I, when I come back to this question, though, right? When I come back to this question, say... August 5th, August 10th, August 12th, whatever it may be. Now that number should have more merit to it. It should have more merit to it. Let's see what y'all guys say. Uh, two from Tom, six from Sully, five from Roe, six, five. Okay. Kind of in the middle here. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, he's only been in the league for a year. <laughs> Tom, so no. Now, as if he's been in the league for 10 years. All he's done is got hurt. He's only been in the league for one year. Relax. Relax. Uh, let's see here. Danny says solid. Are you talking about the peanut butter? Yeah. So you've been asking a question about the the, the weight gain on Matt Walesco. And I believe it was Aisha. Now, when I say her name, I got to press the button. I'm sorry, y'all. She said that he looks leaner. So leaner could mean also a little bit more muscle mass there, but he was already kind of a, a linear guy. I uh, just hope that that muscle equates to strength and we're able to see some improvement on the field. And again, when he was out there, he looked better than a lot of those reserve guys last season. Not good enough to not for them not to go out and get a Jason Peters though. And that's why I said, I don't think they could trust him last year to come in there and hold down the left tackle for it. This year could be a different story. Add some offense to the peanut butter, get better in the weight room, um, get better from a mental standpoint too, right? All those things could change. Now let's start talking about the guys that we really want to hear about. 
Got to begin with Tyron Smith. Tyron was brought back, and y'all know how I feel about Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith is going to go down as one of the all-time Cowboys. It just is what it is, man. He's one of the best draft picks they've ever made. The problem is, though, as we all know, the numbers. 2, 4, and 11. Actually, it might be 2, 11, and 4. He's missed a ton of games. A ton of games over the last three seasons. And really, honestly, in the last seven seasons. So he's a, he's a hurt guy. And it's one of the reasons why they decided to alter his contract. They didn't bring him back and, and, and restructure the contract in a sense of, well, we're pushing money. Down. No, they completely re-altered that contract where they took away about $9 million from Tyron Smith and said, you have to get that back through incentives. So his restructured deal looks like this. $3 million guaranteed, $3 million in the signing bonus. $6 million is what he's going to get, definitely going to get. With the other $9 million being made up from playing time incentives and $2 million made up through the playoffs. So this is kind of reminiscent, if y'all remember, to Sean Lee. You know, Sean Lee, at the end of his career, took a similar situation here where they was like, look, we're going to pay you based on how much you play because you a hurt guy. I know you're one of our best picks that we've made or whatever, and you're, you're this and that, but you are a hurt guy. We cannot depend on you. Or are they? My main issue with bringing back Tyron Smith was depending on Tyron Smith. If you want to bring him back to be a swing guy, if you want to bring him back uh, to, to be the mentor, or you bring him back with the understanding that I ain't going to play 15 games, although we have this bet with one of the viewers who says Tyron Smith will play more than 14 games this season, bet $100 on it. So, okay. I'm going to take that. <laughs> he hasn't played 14 games since 2015. I'm not hating on the guy. I'm not wishing ill will on Tyron. I hope like hell Tyron Smith plays 20 games. But why would I sit here and believe that? I'm not going to do that. The Cowboys, are they banking on that? Feels a little bit like it. But we'll get to Tyler in a bit because he's a guy that's a linchpin that kind of changes all this. But Tyron Smith brought back and at the beginning of what was it? OTAs. We were all kind of Tyron Smith is at right tackle. Terrence Stills out though. Tyron Smith's at right tackle. Tyler Smith's at left tackle. The whole debate about where to move Terrence and things like that. So we were kind of cringing our teeth and, and frowning our faces and, and a little bit annoyed I, I was i'll admit it. i was a little bit annoyed uh and and then mini camp comes it was clarence hill brought up the question again and, and it was coach mike mccarthy who said hey this week we're going to be working tyra smith at left tackle and ty lur smith at left guard you love to hear that so the reason why i think that is a bit significant is because in mini camp that's where they're beginning their stages to to start training camp that's out of mike mccarthy's mouth he said hey, this week it's gonna be similar you know to the other weeks however we're, we're about to start the ramp up for training camp and if that is the ramp up for training camp that should indicate that ty Runsmith will be your left tackle to start 
we understand what happens with Tyron Smith, but that would be your left tackle to start. And honestly, that's really what should happen. Well, Scott, why is Tyler Smith up here for offense tackles? Just stick around for that. So, sir, in the comments that, that, that did the whole $100 bet, look, bro, I hope you're right. Let me just start out with the I do, but I just don't believe that that Tyron will be around for a long or for 15, 16, 17 games. I think it's the win that is most important for Tyron. If Tyron can be around for the last 12 games of the season, 10 games of the season, that's really where you want him. Tyron comes out the gates firing for the first five, six games, and he goes down and he can't come back at all. That's that's what sucks. And that's why either I was, hey, let's just move forward, or he designate him as a swing guy. But it looks like he's going to be a left tackle to start. Which brings me to my cousin Terrence. Y'all know how I feel about Terrence still. And all jokes aside, for those who may be new here, or, or for those who've been sticking around, it may sound like I have this weird bias to Terrence. I do not. <laughs> yeah, we share the last name. Yeah, I make I make some jokes about him calling my cousin. But I was a guy highly critical of Terrence, like most of us were, uh, during his rookie year, right? And in training camp and preseason, um, going into his second season. So this isn't about showing favoritism. This is about him earning this praise. And Terrence still did that. To the tune that he got designated a second round restricted free agent tender that he signed back in April that is going to pay him about $4.3 million. Okay. $4.3 million may not sound like a lot, but for Terrence Steele, it is a lot because he was getting paid, what, bare minimum or something like that as an undrafted free agent for, for three seasons. So good for T. Good for Terrence Steele getting the bag. Here's the thing though. He's also coming off that ACL injury. And coming off that ACL injury has got a lot of people kind of worried about him. Fair enough. I get it. People are worried about guys coming back from ACLs. However, like right away, we heard, I should say right away. I should say about February or, or March, somewhere around there. We heard that Terrence still was kind of ahead of schedule. A lot of people rolled their eyes. Okay. And then he put out a video and you know, a couple months later, he put out another video. And this is kind of the, the newest video VR guy, Duke founder, co-founder, creator of O-Line Mastermind. He's by the way, working with Duke as he should. So is Tyler Smith and a couple other guys. Uh, but this is the latest video of Terrence still working out. And I'm look, man, you can call me a forever, forever optimist. You can you can call me rose colored glasses. How you looking at this? I don't see a guy that's not going to be ready for the start of the season. I see a guy that's going to be ready for the start of the season. I just do. He continues to be on track to be available. And if he is, then we can, I think, put the rest this whole <laughs> Terrence still playing guard situation. Especially once we saw how they were ramping up in minicamp with Tyler Smith at left guard. So if Terrence Steele is going to be available week one at right tackle, your offensive line is already better than it is at this moment where you have Tyron Smith potentially being your right tackle or Josh Ball or, or Matt Walesco, whoever the hell is out there. Because me personally, Terrence Steele is one of the better right tackles in this league and he's going to continue to ascend 
in the ranks of right tackles in this league. But Skies, ACL, whoa, whoa. we just saw what happened with Michael Gallup. Two different positions, two different bodies, two different requirements. I, I don't think you're going to see the same physical elements on the field that we saw with Michael Gallup. In fact, it was it was to the point where I wanted to talk to our doctor. We got a doctor that comes in here. Dr. Boothby of OSMI. Shout out to him. I wanted to talk to our doctor about it. So I asked him, hey, doc, is, is there a possibility a guy like, a, you know, an offensive lineman can recover better on the field than a guy at a skill position? But I'll, I'll let myself ask that question in a more detailed situation. So here, here's me and Dr. Boothby talking a few months back about Terrence Steele. So let's just say that, you know, it does heal up in a regular basis. There's normally a time period for receivers or skill guys that it takes even more months to kind of get back right. We're seeing it with Michael Gallup. He's still not the yep. same guy, uh, but, yep. but you know, eventually he'll get back to that guy. Is it, I mean, I know you're not a coach or anything like that, but you are a physician, so you know how these, these, these body parts move. Is it something where it's a little bit easier for that particular position, a big guy like a tackle, to get back right quicker than a, than a skill player? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I mean, there, there's no question that, um, you know, the amount of explosion, the amount of, of uh, you know, agility it requires from the from the on the skill skill player side. Um, it, I think you, you can see the difference for longer, um, okay. you know, once we get them biologically healed. Now, the inside guys, you know, it's it's not that those guys don't put, you know, significant uh, pressure and uh, rotational forces across their knee. If you think about, you know, what these guys are trying to do when guys are literally trying to take them down, there's a tremendous amount of footwork involved, not just straight line stuff, but but rotational and and you know energy that goes left and right in order to you know block and 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 attack. So I mean, it's not that these big guys don't require a significant amount of of uh, kind of training to get back, but I totally agree with you. To the naked eye, I think that you're going to see it more. Uh, you're going to see the difference for longer in a skill player um, when they're trying to create separation yeah. or, or yeah. you know, have have that energy boost. Then you're going to see it with a with an interior lineman. Indeed. And and that's kind of what and he said interior meant obviously offensive tackle because that's what I brought up. But that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like you're going to see that effect on a, on a skill player more than you're going to see it with an offensive lineman. Um, and, and again, you know, we can, we can poo poo as much as we want at the video, but I don't know how you look at this and you're under this impression that he's going to be ailing come October, November from the knee. This is 2023, man. Uh, ACL injuries are no longer career ending injuries. And especially when it comes to offensive linemen. So I have, I you could call it, you know, just being optimistic. Maybe that's what it is, but I have every belief that Terrence Steele will be back. And Terrence Steele will be back being Terrence Steele. Um, being one of your better run blockers, probably your best run blocker, being the best, one of the best run blocking right tackles in the league, and continuing to ascend as, as a pass blocker. I think he's got better each year as a pass blocker. He's got all the traits you want. He has the length. He has the athleticism. He has the work ethic, which may be the most important thing here um, for, for any player, really. We talk about this a lot. You know, your talent sets the ceiling or sets the floor your character sets the ceiling 
And he's got that in spades. Now, there's a whole nother conversation about Terrence Steele. And that conversation can revolve around the money, can revolve around the contract. Uh, do you elect to keep him around? Due to the restricted free agent tender, they, they don't have to make that decision. Said it a million times, I keep saying it. I would, have, I would have paid him a contract going into last year to get ahead of this thing. Uh, a position group you don't want to mess with is tackle. If you got one that you know about, you're sure about, he's the right kind of guy. I know we make fun of that, but seriously, he's the right kind of guy and loving the game and has that work ethic and has the talent and is continuing to ascend. I personally wouldn't want to mess with that. I would re-sign that guy and he'd be a part of my, my future at left tackle. I'm sorry, at right tackle because I think I got my future at left tackle. But Scott, they got to pay this person. They got to pay that. You're right. They do. You know what I say? Figure it out. Figure it out because I don't think they've made the they've put the resources into replacing both tackles for the future. Not yet. If you want to go into next year, you want to say, hey, we'll let Terrence still walk and we'll grab our, our right tackle of the future in next year's draft. Cool. You can pigeonhole yourself into that situation again and hope like hell it falls the way you want it to fall. Didn't happen this year from an, from an offensive guard or offensive tackle standpoint. They didn't take an offensive lineman until the fifth round. Um, they could have maybe jumped at that early. I, I don't think a guy like Austin Richards is going to be your right tackle. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, he projects to slide inside, but we'll see what happens once we get once we get down there. Well, let's go. Could potentially be your right tackle. But again, um, I'm, I'm waiting to see more of Matt. Well, let's go before I'm ready to stamp that. I know what I got in Terrence. I'm one of the best right tackles in the league that is going to continue to ascend at, at the age of what, 25? What is 25, 26? So he's still, you could argue, ain't even hit his prime yet. So give me Terrence still on this team. I, I'm signing him and, and keeping him around. Figure it out is how I look at it. Figure it out. Uh, D Shift said, use Tyron's money for still. Could have been done. You know, could have been done. Um, there's sometimes an attachment though you know some people argue you know zeke some people argue tyron or guys that probably should have been gone sooner they let go of zeke this offseason they brought back tyron smith i agree zeke i agree shift i would have potentially used that money to to re-sign terrence me personally um Shift said, do you have faith in year three? Well, let's go. I got to see what year two look like. You know, I got to see what you, there is potential there. And we said that when we did our rating draft on Matt, well, let's go. I think we gave him long-term outlook. I think it was a three, but if you, if you looked at my notes on that, it was mostly about a swing guy. It was a hey, man. Yeah, sure. He can come in here and in long-term potentially be a swing guy, but He's got to go out there and do what Terrence did. You know, Terrence had his ups and downs early in his career, but he showed improvement. Now, I have faith in the Terrence still. Do I have faith in Matt? I can't I can't give you a yes on that just yet. You know what I'm saying? Josh Ball, no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. I have no faith in Josh. Like, Josh, look, the, the difference between the two, Matt Walesco has essentially one game like a week, a week's worth of practice that we've seen where I'm like, yeah, 
It was down here in Dallas. He came back in Dallas the last like two or three practices. And, and I was down at the star watching him and me boss law, like, hey man, Matt, well, let's go. Yeah. Looking better than Josh Ball. So you got that one game and that two or three practices. And I've got two years, a bunch of practices and a bunch of preseason games. Look at Josh Ball, be like, hey dog, this he ain't it. So unless he go out here and he's him, no. No faith. None. Uh, Triple D says, what kind of contract are we looking at for Steel? Well, if you go look at the top right tackles, you're probably looking around 13 to $15 million would be a favorable co- contract for Terrence Steele. <laughs> it's facts. Hey, five, five, what up, bro? He said, that boy Josh had one good series and nine. Like, y'all think that's not a joke. Not a joke, man. He... Josh Ball did not look good ever. I mean, no, no, no. I'll say this. Run blocking. Hey, you tell Josh Ball, hey, dog, put your head down, get, put a body on the body, and just push. Just doing that, all right? Pass blocking. No, sir. Going to get your quarterback killed. People get, people get pissed at that interception from Dak against the Texans. You know, the mainstream. Well, they completely ignore certain things. The mainstream will ignore that Josh Ball got his ass whooped two plays in a row and your offensive coordinator, after getting his ass whooped, decided to drop back with no help on Josh Ball's side. I'm just going to let you continue to get your ass whooped. Dak gets his arm hit, interception. I digress. G says you pay offensive tackles, you draft offensive guards. I like that philosophy. Now, unless you're running to Zach Martin, different story, right? But I'm with you. And that great segue, that could be the reason why you see a guy like Tyler Smith become ultimately your future left tackle. Because tackles are just harder to find. That's just the facts. And I am a... Tyler Smith could be an absolute monster at guard guy. However, tackles are really, really hard to find, man, which is why I'm trying to pay Terrence and why I understand Tyler Smith being your future left tackle. Well, Sky, if if he's not your tackle this year, why is he up here? Because at some point he's going to be a tackle. (laughs) Unless Matt Willesco absolutely goes berserk, he's probably going to be your left tackle at some damn point in the season. And, and that's why I call him our linchpin of this offensive line, y'all. Because he's got that raw ability. He's got the work ethic. He, he, he has the youth, the availability. And I think it's why the Cowboys approached the offensive line the way they did this offseason. Do I agree with it? No. I ain't going to sit here and, and give y'all a bunch of Skittles and rainbows. No, nah, I, I, I wanted to go get a, a left side player type of guy i wanted to go get a, a guard or a tackle to replace tyrant or quote unquote replace tyler being the left guard they didn't necessarily do that they waited they got awesome richards and maybe he's a guy in the fifth round i don't know that he's gonna be the guy this year though in fact i know he's not gonna be the guy this year at left guard because it's probably going to be tyler smith but they asked tyler smith uh he was not sure where he was maybe a camp for the kids or what have you uh, just a great, great young kid. A, a good mind on his head. Obviously, right kind of guy. But they asked 
asked uh, Tyler Smith about his versatility and him working with Duke. Well, he brought up him working with Duke, but here's what Tyler Smith had to say about that. Uh, let me see here. Do I got Tyler Smith here? No, no, no. Actually, I'm, I'm going to start off with Solari on Tyler Smith, and then I'm going to get to Tyler Smith in general. Here's Solari on Tyler Do Smith. Do you have a, an ideal spot for Tyler where you see him playing and staying at tackle, or do you think you'd like to see him inside a guard? Well, again, the key, the key thing, you know, we're going to get the best men on the field, but, uh, you know, this this offseason we'll be working him at tackle. You know, and again, he has the flex. Obviously, you know, he did a great job last year, and and uh, you know, it's exciting to work with somebody like that that has such great qualities of an offensive lineman. That's going to, it's exciting because he's yeah. just an ascending football player. So it's really, you know, exciting to work with a young man like that. And then again, when you got Tyron and Zach as leaders, how to do it right? You can't beat it because again, all you do is just look as far as their example and follow their, you know, their theme. They do a beautiful job. I mean, right now we're just kind of in the phase one, but they're such great leaders of men. You know, and again, we're just in a classroom setting, but again, just their aura about them, they have that leadership. I mean, they are focused, locked in, and there's great examples for anybody to learn from. I mean, he ain't definitely not lying about that. Uh, we said this last year with Tyler um, playing both guard tackle. You got three Hall of Famers at both positions. You got a guy like Jason Peters and Tyron Smith to learn from. And then Zach Martin to learn guard things from. He's been put in a very special situation here in Dallas. Uh, it was Nick Eatman, I think, who asked him about the whole guard tackle thing and offseason peanut butter. Vach is in the building. You can see him actually get a little bit bigger. And he talked about it. And this is his words. He said, yeah, I'm a little bit more beefier you know, this year. But he understands that you also have to stay athletic and nimble because he's going to be playing both. But here, here's Tyler Smith on playing guard and tackle. The biggest thing is just staying versatile. Like, you know, I'm a left-sided player. You know, I don't know, you know, specifically what's going to happen in training camp, but just staying ready is my biggest thing. And that's something I carry into my training as well. Like when I'm across the street with Duke, like, you know, just working guard, working tackle, like making sure I'm proficient in both of those and just making sure, you know, I'm on my, all my cues for that. So that's probably the biggest part that I'm trying to focus on for this, uh, Pre-training camp and training camp, really. I mean, it definitely, I feel like it can definitely help to be beefier on the inside because, you know, you're going against bigger guys, like, who not moving as fast on the edge. But um, I think staying staying nimble is important, too, because, like, even Zach. Zach is, like, probably, like, 310, 315. But, like, he's so strong and his technique is so good. Like, you, you don't see him have many problems with, like, that strength aspect. So I, I think the biggest thing is just staying out of weight. Where, you know, you still got that that blend of athleticism and strength. Like, you don't feel too slow, too sluggish, but you still kind of twitchy at the same time. Man, I just like this kid, man. Uh, I say this about the Marvion Overshawn. He'll figure it out. There's just, there's just something about him that makes me believe he will figure out whatever they decide to do with him. So the conversation now becomes, and I see we're having it in the chat. I see we're having it here. The conversation becomes what's best for him, what's best for the team. A lot of us are divided, guard, tackle, not necessarily divided, right? Because I think a lot of people believe he'd be a fantastic guard. But for 2024 and beyond, he's likely going to be your left tackle. However, for right now, Tyler Smith has to be your, your left guard. He has to. Mike Solari said the key is getting the best men on the field. This is where the whole good and bad thing comes into play at the tackle position. For as much as we poo-poo the injuries of Tyron Smith, 
uh, for the the injury to Terrence Steele, for the what the hell are we doing with Tyron Smith? Tyler Smith, I'm sorry. There is three viable, reliable. When I say reliable, I shouldn't say that with Tyron Smith. But three quality tackles that you have on this team. That's hard to say around a league. Dallas has three starting quality tackles on this team in Tyler Smith, Terrence Steele, and Tyron Smith. They all can't play tackle, though, right? So, obviously, Tyler has to move inside. You have to sacrifice the future for the now, and I am on board with that. I am 100% on board with that because it should be about getting six right now, not about the development of said player. Dallas isn't in the... They're in the draft to develop business, but they aren't in the development is the end all result business. They are in the, we need to win the goddamn Super Bowl business. We need to get to the NFC championship business. So we got to do what's best for this team. And what's best for this team is Tyler Smith, that left guard for 2023. It may change next year. It may change week six. Who the hell knows? We don't, we don't know what, what the backup tackles are going to look like. But what I do know is heading into week one against the Giants, your tackles should absolutely be Tyron at left, Terrence at right, with Tyler Smith at left guard. That's what has to happen in 2022. Or I'm sorry, 2023. Beyond that, conversation would have to be had, obviously, depending on what they decide to do uh, the following year depending on what's out there in free agency, what's out there in the draft. But you need, and I'm using the term need, you need Tyler at, at, at left guard. You do, if you want to put the best five out there. So why is he on offensive tackles? Because at some point, he's going to be a left tackle. <laughs> Y'all know it. Y'all know it just as much as I know it. Tyra going to go down and Tyler going to be a left tackle. And that's where we'll get into the interior and we'll talk about who has the potential to step up there. Not if, but likely when that happens. So it's it's weird. Yo, the tackle situation is extremely weird because you got three quality tackles. I don't know how many teams can say that for real. I don't. But there's an asterisk put on that, right? There's a Tyron Smith availability asterisk. There's Terrence still coming back from injury asterisk. And then there's Tyler Smith. Where the hell is he going to play asterisk? So really weird situation for a guy like Solari. Who, if you look at what I have right here, I say task of grooming depth on the offensive line. I truly believe that is what he's going to have to do here. Um, There's not much he's going to have to do from an offensive uh, starter standpoint. Got some ballers. And I think that's where the the mainstream media kind of uh, is relying on. When people say the Cowboys have a great offensive line, they did not. They did not, and they do not. However, they they have guys that you can get the job done with. How long would Tyron be there? We don't know. We know about the center. I think he's continuing to get better. Zach Martin, Zach. Terrence Steele is a fine right tackle. And Tyler Smith, I think, is going to be... uh, He is a stud. He's going to be one of the better guys here over the coming years. So you've got a good enough line. This ain't 2014, though. People or the mainstream seem to believe this offensive line is 2014, 2016. This ain't that. Shout out to Core. 
This ain't that. But it's good enough, I think, to get the job done. That's where coaching is going to come in. Schematics are going to come in. Uh, play calling is going to come in. Uh, again, Mike Solari, first year coming into Seattle. Tom Cable's offensive lines were terrible. Uh, the schemes weren't great. That's why they switched out offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. First year, they go from being abysmal to being the number one rushing team in the league. First year, they go from being abysmal pass blocking to being third overall in pass block win rate. I don't think that's a coincidence. Now you're bringing on those guys that did that. You're bringing on Mike Slaw. You got Brian Schottenheimer as your offensive coordinator slash kind of right hand, let's be honest, right hand to Mike McCarthy. I think there is room for optimism at the tackle and offensive line position to at least be more stable in what they want to do. You could argue talent. You can argue depth. That's fair. But at least I think there will be cohesion across the board for what they want to do on the offensive line. There will be a philosophy. There will be a way. There will be an attitude. You listen to your Hall of Famer right guard. There will be an attitude on that line. Over the four years, man, we talk about this a lot. We can we can herald all those beautiful numbers. Number one offense. Number. We can throw all that stuff out there. But as you and I know, it, it wasn't about the volume. It never was. It, it was a lot about what is our philosophy? What happens in crunch time when, when we need to, you know, hunker down and get things done? I said this before. Maybe I'll bring it up at another point. I don't think it is a coincidence that this team, quarterback, whatever you want to call it, tailed off in regards to fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives compared to the first three seasons. I don't think that is a coincidence. When you led the league in in fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives, the first three seasons, and then these last four under Kellen Moore, you've been kind of poor at it. Let's just be completely honest. And when you go and look at, in my opinion, the the X's and O's of things, I'll, I'll say the Patriots game was the one game where you saw the X's and O's really shine through at the end of moments. Uh, but other than that, the Cowboys really had to rely on the backs of four or the backs of whether it be 21 or 20 to get those things done. And there's going to be a lot of times, man, where you're going to need your philosophy, your scheme to shine through when it matters most. What can you lean on when it's been a tough game? What can you lean on when you still have the ability to go down there and win? Do you have something that you can reach back in your bag to and say, hey, man, we know we're good at this. We know they can't stop this. I don't think we had that, you know? I don't think we had that. And that's why you hear Zach Barton say, we're going to have an attitude. We He's bringing back an attitude up front. Um, we hear about Coach McCarthy talking about making things a bit easier uh, for everybody on that field because that's the secret sauce, right? Less thinking, faster play, better results. I digress. Uh, the guru says, will this run scheme, where'd you go? Will this run scheme be Shanahan-like that is big on cutback lanes? Uh, it sounds like we're going to have a, a different outside zone look. So, and that, and that, that usually presents multiple lanes to stick, plant your foot and go. 
Uh, but if we look at the history of Solari and, and at least the history of Solari and Schottenheimer, this is more of a gap scheme that they had in Seattle. Solari been around a long time, man. He's been in multiple teams, multiple franchises. Had he has experience in zone, he has experience in power, he has experience in gap, um, and you possibly will see a combination of those. And having a guy like Tyler Biotis, Zach Martin, Terrence, who's been around, um, they, those guys I think can can adapt. Tyron, I, sh- I should say Tyron as well. And uh, look, I'm going to say Tyler. Tyler is a heady dude, smart player. I think he can handle whatever they, they ask of him. But I do, man, and call it blind optimism. I believe in Solari coming here and presenting a philosophy that will jive from top to bottom, which will, which will bring better results, finishing results. Let me say that. Which will bring better finishing results for this team. I do, man. I just... I just think we'll see a, a a team that will finish more grittier and will finish better than we had over the last four seasons. Because that's the that's been the problem. It's been finishing. It hasn't been the glitz and glamour, the numbers. It's been about finishing. And I'll continue to preach that. All right, let's hit these phone lines right quick. We got 757 with the phone lines. We'll read some of these super chats, man, and we'll keep it, we'll keep it moving. 757 on the horn. What's good, man? What's going on, Will? <clears throat> I want to, um, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Got you loud and clear. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to tap in on what you were just saying about how the last four years we weren't able to finish. And I want to go back to that 2021 season, man. That Broncos game. You remember that Broncos game, the infamous Broncos game, when they came in there and, you know what I'm saying, they, they gave us an old-fashioned whooping. Yep. And after that game, Vic Pangeo said nobody was playing them right. Yep. And after that game, it just seemed like only against the bad, like, the you know, the teams without good records, they couldn't get on track, you know, if they played a decent, you know, a good team or something like that because, you know, Defense. Let's say that. You mean you mean yeah, the top yeah, the defenses? Defense. Yeah. Yeah, the top defenses, or you know, just the better teams, man. It just seemed like we couldn't get on track because it's like they laid out that blueprint, and Keller Moore couldn't adjust. And that's when that experience comes in. Okay, if they start, you know, doing this, you know, how do we adjust to that? And it's like they just couldn't adjust to it. And and that's like I said, that's how the, where that experience comes in, man. And uh, you know, it got better last year, some, but like I said, down when we get to the nitty gritty, when we, you know, in a dog fight, what do we need to do to adjust? Um, it just never seemed like he can make the, the second half adjustments. You know what I mean? Uh, um, and it showed in some games, you know, also, uh, whether it be the, the, the Jacksonville game, the Green Bay game, and, um, you know, I actually think we'd be better at that, you know, moving forward. Just with that experience, you know, having that experience. I'll tell you the game that it, it really shined through. It was against the, the lowly Texans. That game to me, I mean, there was plenty of games where you look back and say, man, we, we have to either change this philosophy, bro, or, or move on from, from, from our play caller. Because when you watch that game, the Texans didn't do anything sexy, dog. All they did was just drop back in shell coverage and play Tampa two cover two type of type of situation. And they did not do anything. In fact, they were running things that cover two defenses, Tampa two defenses invite. Right. And the reason why I bring up this game 
is because even on the last drive, go watch how hard the last drive was. It was a game-winning drive. That drive had shit to yeah. do with scheme. Absolutely nothing to do with it. We quite literally yeah. were doing the same damn things, except for we were making super tight passes, precision passes, amazing catches, uh, and, and just making clutch plays at the end of that game. It, it wasn't yeah. anything easy. And sometimes when I go and watch yeah. other teams, I'm like, how in these tight moments am I getting A.J. Brown running wide open across the middle? How am I getting this tight end screen getting 30 yards? How am I getting this this running back eating up 15, 20 yards? How is this happening when we're fighting tooth and nail for every damn yard to win a damn game? So, you know, that, that game right there kind of kind of did it for me. We're like, we got we to gotta figure this out, dog. Because if teams can come out here and run this, yeah. this basic-ass thing against us, what's going to happen when we run into a yeah. more talented team on defense, better coach team on defense? It's not going to be pretty. And it, and it and it and it won't. And we've seen it at the uh, you know the Forty ers game. But the the main thing, man, I was beating on the table. Your best receiver is C.D. Lamb. It shouldn't be no reason why you aren't scheming play plays for him to get open at the end of the game. You know what I'm saying? We need that win. You should be doing everything in your power to get C.D. Lamb open, or get the or get the ball to to Lamb. Or because it's not about you can get him open. Or understanding huh? that. Or understanding that teams are going to know you're going to do that, so use him as a decoy because it happened against the the, Jack, the Jacksonville game. You know, third and ten, you get a yeah. first down, you win the game. They put three dudes on CD Lamb, so you know yeah. if, if you know that's going to happen, why the hell are you sending Noah Brown on a go route? Exactly, and that's what we're targeting. Yeah. Why not bring him underneath on a slant on an over route, or maybe you know send him on a slant and then bring Tony Pollard. You know, behind and have him one on one against him. It's just you know, look, I'm no, I'm yeah. no offensive coordinator, but there's just some simple things you, you just have to do in certain situations, and I think that's why you saw Mike McCarthy come out and say, you know, situational football has to improve. Yeah, and real quick, I'm mean, I, I know the about the Zach Martin. I say when you know, be more physical and everything that he said. If you notice, you remember certain times last year when plays were called. I don't know. It was shown like I think it was the videos out there. I know up. what you're talking about. And he's throwing his hands <laughs> up. Like, what are you doing? What are you calling? I think it you was. You know what I mean? It's Lions game. It's Lions or Texans. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, he he, yeah, he yeah. made a play call, and, uh, and there's an audio out there that that uh, Zach Martin was like, something along the lines of, "What the f are we doing? Or why are you calling this? Or something yeah. like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's all I got, man. Hey, good stuff, man. Great call. Get D Schiff in the building. What's good, Schiff? Hey, what's good, man? Um, now I like this offensive line talk. Um, one of the hardest positions, uh, I think, for y'all to like really be able to evaluate. I know uh, Vach is uh, excellent at it, but um, man, one thing I, I noticed with our team, um, and as far as I was looking at a uh, pass blocking, uh, run block win win rate for like other teams, and like the Chiefs and the Eagles, they have like the most guys, like, on, on those top ten lists, right? So I was, you know, thinking, like, looking at just, like, rankings and where our team ranks. We, we are, oh, actually don't chance. really rank too too bad in, like, preseason, like, kind of lists, all the lists that are, you know, being compiled right now. But I wonder, um, you know, I, I don't I don't see us as that high at times, you know, because like, there's a lot of, like, paranoia around the line. But 
looking at other teams as well, they have a lot of bad things. So uh, I'm just kind of lost in everything. And as you're talking about things, you're answering things. But I'm just kind of wondering, Scott, like how how we still kind of looked at as a respected line, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you right as as far as on you know honestly, like as far as like pass blocking, we weren't that great last year. So um, how are we still being respected or, or you know kind of semi respected around the league? And I'll, I'll yeah. leave you with that now. I, that's that's it is an interesting observation. I think it's twofold actually. Appreciate the call, D Um I think the reason why I say it's twofold, I think it's the cowboy or the media leaning on the Cowboys lore of yesteryear in regards to offensive line. Right? There's this there's moniker out there that oh, but Dak Prescott and and, and Kellen and McCarthy and Je- they've had this amazing offensive line for ten years. It's not the case. It's just not the case. But in the same breath, I think you can acknowledge that the current healthy offensive line is good enough to be able to get the job done. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's the the Eagles or hell, even the, the Chiefs. It's not. It's not. And, and we don't have a Jeff Stoutland. Um, we, we don't. I don't know what Mike's. We don't know what, about Mike Solari enough here in Dallas to, to put him up there with, with Stoutland. Maybe his resume, you could you could argue. But right now. Um, we don't have the Jeffs. We don't know about if, if he can be our Jeff Stoutland. Uh, we don't have that ability to groom those type of guys and become the best offensive line for what five years running or whatever it is. So I think the media is kind of leaning on the past of the Cowboys, but also understanding healthy. This is an offensive line that you should be able to get the job done with here. The thing is as Cowboy fans, we know our offensive line. We know you can't rely on a Tyron Smith to be healthy. So we are nervous about what happens when he goes down. Do we play the musical chairs? Also, we were playing a ton of music. That's the other thing. The Connor Williams, you know, the Connor McGoverns, the, the early Tyler Biotishes, they were leaning. They were talking about the Cowboys having one of the best offensive lines two, three years ago, which was, which was false. And this was when Tyron was barely playing, you know, McGovern and, and, and Connor. And now we're doing all this swapping in and out with, with Philbin. I don't want to see all that. And, and that's kind of why I want to see them decide to, to stick with Tyler, Tyler Smith at one position this year. And then we'll revisit this next year. But that's going to take guys like, well, let's go to take a massive second year jump. Uh, Shift said, is a drop from top five O-lines that great to everyone else? Usually, I mean, depending on the the youth or, or the contracts, usually if you have a top five offensive line, it'll go for a few years, right? But then you'll see a team like the Titans where injuries came into play, contracts, they cut people and things like that. Now they're kind of rebuilding up there. Um, or you'll see a team like the Chiefs where they had a respectable offensive line but realized right away age caught up to them. And they said, well, We've got one of the best quarterbacks ever in the world, but that doesn't mean we stop protecting him. So they went out, traded for Orlando Brown, signed a Joe Tooney, drafted, uh, 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 who was it? Not Humphrey. Hey, Creed Humphrey in the second round. They they kept loading up offensively on the offensive line. Uh, not always in the draft, but through free agency and the draft. So, I mean, it is a drastic drop, right? If you don't replenish it. But if you're like the Chiefs, where they saw their drop-off due to injuries, they said, no, sir. We went out there, and if you're like the Eagles, Eagles 
quite literally have been drafting replacements and they've been putting him at different positions. Uh, Dickerson, I think, was supposed to be the center replacement, but he's a Pro Bowl guard. Uh, they just drafted a, another dude this year in the second round, was going to probably replace one of those guys up front. And I want to say there's one more dude they drafted to replace Jason Kelsey at some damn point whenever he decides to retire. So, and all these dudes are drafted mostly in the second or third round, though. So. Who ranked the... Yeah, Iceberg Q, they wilding. They ranked the 2021 Cowboys O-line the best is wild to me. Wow. We'll see about Alec Lindstrom. Uh, right now, he's not the backup center, Danny. Right now, that is Matt Forniak, who is... Apparently, guys, a strong grip on that. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's weird, though, that you're this big Alec Lindstrom fan. I, I, I thought you were not big on, on smaller guys that can get pushed around because Alec Lindstrom is smaller guy, right? So we'll see about his offseason peanut butter, too, because he's 300 pounds soaking wet. So he's got to put on some some weight and some strength. Where Matt Willett, or Forniak is like, he's a tall center, too, like six foot six, something like that. Goes, I think he goes over 310, 315. So, we'll see. Let's get to our guy, Marcus, to end the show. What's good, Marcus? Yo, 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 Scott. What's going on, my friend? What's happening with you? Hey, I'm big. I'm big. How you doing? How you doing? Had a good weekend, man. A good little break, but but excited to talk ball with y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too, man. Me too, always. You know, like I said, when um, at the draft, when, when we were all freaking out about the uh, tight end getting drafted, this season for me, at least, I know we all in Winnabo. We've been in Winnabo for thirty years. You want to tell the truth? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, again, for me, this was always going to be about uh, what kind of offense were, were we going to build? What, what kind of identity were we going to have? Everybody's been kind of gravitating toward that point with all their different tapes and whatnot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anything we're talking about with the offensive line is going to start with with what uh, Mike Solari is able to coach those guys up into and what uh, Brian Shorter-Timers can put in place in terms of the offensive scheme. Yeah. It's, it's cute, you know, for, for the OTAs. They got the Texas Colts. But that's cute. That's cute. That's, that's a buy-in thing for me as much as anything else. But um, I, my own personal thing is that I think if you're going to start doing anything, like you, like you pointed out with Solari, too, where they're going to start to, to, to figure out who's going to be able to do what on the offensive line, they're going to have to focus on running the football. That's the best way to get offensive linemen when you're developing them, particularly at this league, at this level. The best way to get them up to speed is to get them doing what they really want to do, tied that big. They just want to put a hat on somebody, except Josh Ball. Josh Ball wants to get out of the way. But you <laughs> well, want to get them – you want to <laughs> – To be fair with Josh Ball – when it comes to run blocking, well, he, he seems if, to want if, to get if, nasty. If, with that. if we if we if, if we don't even take him to camp, ain't nobody gonna care. <laughs> Not at all. If he don't even, yeah, ain't nobody gonna care. Not when but, I. But but my point, yeah, but my point is, hey, hey, uh, we we you focus on getting the line working as a unit, like you like you pointed out. You kind of want to get some guys playing in the spot and leave them there, and then revisit another time or you know make emergency adjustments when you have to. But but hey man, start it by running the football, and and getting your linemen you know up to speed. You know we we keep talking about off season peanut butter and stuff like that, and that that does help. But uh, you you bring those guys along by getting them working together, 
and getting them moving people around, whether it's a zone scheme, whether it's a you know a wham box scheme or a combination. Most people are running that are that are really good at running. They're running some kind of outside zone scheme or some variation. Gotta have that some that, type you know. of zone, yeah. Twenty twenty three, you gotta have some type of zone incorporated. <laughs> which well, look, we 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 saw some of that, but again, it was never it, it was never that we didn't have certain run plays or or schemes that worked. From, from a week to right. week. It's just that we did not run them consistently enough. And let me just, I don't mean to turn this subject upside down real quick, but I had put out a, a audio. Uh, I don't know. We was, we was kind of reminiscing late night hype. We were all just, we were talking about the late night hype. I don't know if you remember that Marcus, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had, I remember who was it? We had lucky whitehead on and, and I pulled, <laughs> uh, well, that was a funny ass show. That, that one right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm laughing. That's yeah, that was a wild show. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But bro, I, ahead, I pulled an audio <laughs> clip from Lucky Whitehead. So Lucky Whitehead, uh, we were talking about Scott Linehan, and he called Scott Linehan scary, and he said that, you know, Scott Linehan just, we would run something, it would work, and he would just never run it again, or he, w- he would wait so long to run <laughs> yeah. it. And I'm like, man, how did I stumble across? Who that sound like? Exactly. I said, bro, I literally said that in the, in the tweet. I said, who does this sound like that took over for Scott Linehan? Kellen Moore. Exactly. You know? Exactly. He can't, yeah, as much as we wag on Kellen Moore, you know, at the end of the day, he only learned what he learned from who he learned it from. Right. right? He, 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 learned, he had yeah. his own razzle-dazzle to it, but, but, but I say all that to say, We've mm-hmm. come on here on tape Tuesdays. We've we've broken down drive of the games, and we've been like, "Hey, look, this is a fantastic call. This is a fantastic series. Yeah. This this design is awesome. Let's see it next yeah. week." I would even put in my notes down there. Hopefully, we run this back. Never right, see it right. again. Mm-hmm. You know, so. never see it again. Mm-hmm. Out coach Bill Belichick up there in that in that New England game before that got hurt. In the, down the stretch when the game was on the line, I yeah. never thought I would have seen you. Yeah. You would have thought Kevin Moore turned the corner. I but, did thought. Hey, I did know. think that. <laughs> like, if you go watch my drive of the game yeah. video, I'm sitting here like, "Hey man, yeah. where's kids out? Mm-hmm. He, where's kid out? Coach, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> not Brian yeah, Shannon, yeah. but out coach Bill Belichick." Yeah. And here we go, yeah. right? And then yeah. Denver happened, and yeah. then the league started. It wasn't just Denver, by the way, because at the, at the same time this was happening in in Dallas, it was happening in Kansas City. Kansas City was going through right, a very yeah, exactly. similar thing. The difference. Exactly. You want to know the difference? Yeah. Andy Reid. Andy, Andy Reid got sent. <laughs> Andy Reid got sent. You know it's Andy Reid. Oh, Andy Reid's kind of that. I love Andy Reid because Andy Reid had to outgrow that. He He's what Kevin Moore used to be. Andy Reid would call whatever Shit. he wanted to play, oh, call. Gotcha. He was just that. He was a mad scientist offensive coordinator, too. But once he started winning and he learned how to win, learned how to be patient, and learn how to, to pick his spot and, and, and don't freak out, don't panic, or, or in another sense, don't be so arrogant that you're just going to do whatever you want to do regardless of how you're being defended. That's when you start to win. Bro. It's when you can acknowledge. It's when you can acknowledge that I need to do what's working in this moment. One more tweet. My other stuff. Is, yeah, One more yeah. tweet that I saw that, that exemplifies this perfectly. Uh-huh. Uh, there is this, there's this <laughs> crazy stat. I got to find it here. Where is it at? Here we go. There was this crazy stat that that Warren Sharp put out uh, yesterday. The average length, the average length of uh, Patrick Mahomes' touchdown passes in 2019, 17 air yards. In 2020, 13. And the last two seasons, that shit was cut almost completely out. 
eight air yeah. yards in 2021, eight and a half. And in 2022, mm-hmm. four and a half air yards. Bro had 41 touchdowns last year. His average length right. of a touchdown was four yards. That, in my opinion, uh-huh. is twofold. You had teams playing more shell, right? But you right. also, right. you also, in my opinion, had Andy Reid adapt to how teams were adapt. playing them. Exactly. He, but Andy Reid has, what does he have over there? He has a classic West Coast scheme. Yes. They work underneath. West Coast is, is designed to take advantage of the fact that you're not going to score, let people score a touchdown with a big play. That, that's, that's the essence of that. But when the, we talk about an extended running game with a West Coast team, they're going to take five yards at a time. Right. Because that's what you conceding. That's just, that's, that's conceptual. Yes. Again, uh, I'm not going to get too far off with that because, like, like I say, Scott, you're the man. You know, you, you've been saying this stuff for a minute. Yeah. As far as how we're going about things, I'm gonna get out the way and just say, "Hey, look, whatever we need from the offensive line has got to start from the philosophy and then from the O line coach." One thing New England used to do real good, and I'm gonna I'll let you go. And Belichick used to take advantage of it was they had such great position coaches there. Belichick mm. could tear up his game plan in the middle of in the middle mm. of a quarter and do something entirely different because his position coaches were so good. If he wanted to, to, to say, hey, look, we're going to sit down and run the football, he would just go tell him, hey, look, we're going to sit down and position coaches with, with, and that's why they would always say they would, they would coach the team based on the opponent they were facing. And people used to say all the time they never knew what they were going to get out of New England, even with Tom Brady standing over there. Yeah. Because, because, because they were coached so well. And that's, that's my whole point. I want Solari to, 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 to coach up the offensive line. We'll figure out well, who plays where. My own preference with Tyler Smith is that he play guard, but we'll see what that shakes out, man. Let me let you go, Sky. And, and good stuff, brother, as always. Thank you, man. And uh, love talking to you, man. And, and, and I holler. I holler. Appreciate you, Marcus. Yeah, mm-hmm. good call here from Marcus. And, and I just had to bring up some of these uh, numbers and recall the the the, here we go. the LNH clip because it, it, it fits. It all fits here. Uh, but yeah, he brought up the, the the assistants and the coordinators. That's the thing about over there in Bill Belichick. He had some fantastic assistants and coordinators that were great underneath him. When, he, when they left him, he, not so much. His, his coaching tree is extensive from job opportunities, but from a success standpoint, Romeo Cornell's and those guys, it, it just didn't work out. Um, but when they were with Bill, again, that's why I think philosophy is you know, being on the same page is so critical. Because and obviously having players too, but I think we I think this this season, right? I think we got the players to execute what we want to execute. Uh, but when you don't always have the horses, can you make up for that? And you you could be on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to the old line coach and Joe Philbin. He did some good things, but he also was questionable. Um, we'll see if Solari can replace that. You could be on one side of the fence with Kellen Moore. Did some good things, but was a lot of the times questionable. Uh, we'll see if Schottenheimer and McCarthy can replace that. But but these are guys that are on the same page. These are guys that have the experience in those moments. Um, that Let's just be real. A lot of things are being learned on the job. From and look, On the job from that trio. McCarthy, Kellen, and Philbin. Because they didn't have that cohesion and there was obviously philosophical differences. We scoff over that or, or fans, fans of this team that don't like this team or like certain players on this team or what the cat, what they do. 
They scoff over McCarthy saying philosophical differences. Think about this. Your franchise hired a guy to run a specific side of the team that he'd been doing for 30 years. Said you can't do it. Kept a guy with a totally different philosophy and said make it work. What business operates like that and succeeds? So we finally get a chance to let the guy they hired <laughs> run his ship from top to bottom. And we'll see what happens. There will be growing pains. There will probably be growing pains on this offensive line amongst some of these offensive tackles, right? The, you know, the young bucks, the boss, Richards, well, let's go ball. And there may be some growing pains with Terrence coming back from the ACL. But give me this, give me this staff, this lineup, this hierarchy, this order over the previous. I don't give a damn. Or oh, number one. We was number one offense with Scott Linehan, with Jason Garrett. People forget that. You know, the mainstream, I should say. I, I just heard Colin, and, and look, I know I know technically I work for Colin as well, but I heard Colin Cowherd say, uh, the Cowboys, this is what he said, and I don't like to do this on my show. Y'all know I don't do this, by the way. But he said, the Cowboys lost their great offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. They also lost Amari Cooper. We lost Amari Cooper. That was two offseasons. I don't know why he brought up Amari Cooper as if Brandon Cook's in here. I digress. And they lost Dalton Schultz. You know, I'm just listening to this, and I'm like, what the? Okay. You know Scott Linehan had the number one offense or whatever. You know Jason Garrett had the number one. Like, you know that happened? You're damn about the number one offense, man. How is that coordinator performing when it gets hot? And then how does that trickle down? How is my cue? How is my line? How is my D? How are these? How does it happen when it gets hot? We know what this team can do in between all that. We've seen that quite literally since 06. It's never been about that. Been about finishing. One more, one more. Let me uh let me lock this up here. Eight oh eight. What's goody? How you doing, brother? Still? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well and stuff like that. How was your Fourth of July, man? I hope you had a good uh two days off. Oh, I absolutely did, man. Good Fourth of July. Nice little break there uh through the week, the weekend, and Monday, Tuesday. Re-energized to have a strong week with you guys. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. Now, the, what, what you've been saying about calling and them, th this is why I love your show. I can always get some objectiveness, like, no, at least I can say maybe love bias. I can't say. Yeah, I'm not going to look. I, at the end of the day, I'm a fan, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I never hide that. I would never, never hide that. I did, this is a team I love, and I, and I root for it to succeed. But – I I I, I don't wear rose colored glasses every day. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've been watching all these shows, and the funny thing I always see it's on Get Up First Take. Even Colin said it. You know, all these guys bringing up how we were a high scoring offense, and with Kellen Moore, and like we're, we're taking this big loss on losing them. I was like, you know, most of you guys are the same people who said we're running it up on bad teams. Facts. Come on. Come on. You, you can't have both. You, you got to choose one or the other, but you, you, you're keeping both of them so you can install in both ways. I was like, no, you can't do that. Right. That's 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 but real. That's, why I like that's real, man. Listening yeah. to 
the worst show I can I, I can watch is what, what is that on uh, the Shady McCoy one? Uh, bro, uh, yeah, that they they all I'm, the same. They all the I'm same. Just the just Shady's just not good at his job in doing it. Like like he he his the way he articulates his opinion is is shitty. It's ass ass to be completely honest, and it shows honestly no respect for. A, a sport that he played, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you know he, he borderline yeah. disrespectful, and, and yeah, you know, that's just I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, no, I got you. That's all I wanted to bring up. Just showing appreciation for the show, man. Of hey, I love it, so I don't have to listen because I used to watch first take and get up every morning. I was just like, I'm glad I got a show like this to watch where I don't have to freaking wipe the blood off my ears after hearing hearing some of these idiots. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. It's, it's part of a huge reason why I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a good day, brother. Uh, God bless. Thank you. You as well, man. Yep. I, just, I mean, I still tune into certain uh, programs, but nothing has changed from the from years ago when I decided, I, you know, I wanted to do this. And this was long. This ain't just three, four years. This is a decade or so ago. I was like, you know, the team that I love is not being covered the right way. Especially during the Romo era where it was, it was almost kind of repeating itself. The Romo era was so easy to just talk about Tony Romo. Um, uh, you know, that's the easy route to go. But there's so much more small things, nuanced things that were fun to talk about and, and dive into it. I'm like, eh, these networks aren't going to do that. And I get it. Ratings, right? That's what they want. Ratings. I tell people all the time, hey, look, I do this is what I do for a living. Oh, I'm a cowboy fan. You're a cowboy fan, but are you a diehard? Because if you're a diehard, my show for you. If you're casual, you ain't gonna like it, bro. You ain't gonna like it because we're, we're not sitting here talking about the the regurgitating the same quarterback head coach thing over and over and over again. Because I understand, I understood this a long time ago, is all those small little things that help quarterback and head coach get to the top of the mountain. And those little small things matter, man. Those little small things are why a lot of these other Super Bowl teams or participants are where they are. And until we understand that as a fan base, we'll just continue to be butting our heads against the wall, repeating the same thing over and over again, blaming the same person, the, the, the next person, I should say, the next one person over and over again. So I said, nah, I, I got to do something i didn't think it was going to get to this scale but it did and i appreciate y'all i see y'all listening to some of the yeah man i i'm trying to be as respectful as possible with some of these people on these networks but it's it's some shitty ass takes out there let me just be flat out some shitty ones and i don't even like to bring them here I know people can do whole shows on their takes or what. I don't even like to do that because, again, that's low-hanging fruit, you know? And I'm, I feel like I've been salting y'all intelligence if I'm like, Sky reacting to Stephen A. Smith, Dan Orlowski, Kyle. I'm not about to be doing those shows about that. Are you kidding me? They do that all the time. I digress. Let's get to these super chats. Here we go. Uh, what we got here? Five. 
Boom bow. Shout out to Brian Goose. Be dropped five or he dropped ten. I'm sorry. Just supporting the bomb squad. Super chat. Appreciate you, B, for dropping that. He dropped some fire emojis as well. Uh, Towboat Ty dropped five earlier. Super chat. And he said, if a horse ain't finished a race in seven years, I ain't betting on it. Winning the Kentucky Derby. He's talking about Tyron Smith. Put Tyron at swing and Tyler and Terrence as your number ones. Professor O, this is why I like Mina. It ain't got nothing to do with her not shitting on the Cowboys, but she has a ton of thought, a ton of research into her take. Even if she came on here and said, here's why I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to lose in the first round of playoffs. I can listen to her because she's going to bring some research and thought to it. I know she put in the work, not just ass, ass, and uh, you know things like that. Like, come on, man, what are we doing? Kirk Cousins and Black Kirk. Like, what are we doing, man? Slow hanging fruit. Black Lion drop five. Appreciate you, B. Or Super Black chat. Lion. He said, peace guy. Tyler Smith reminds me of young Eric Williams before his car accident. Like that comparison. Uh, watching film, both Tyler has similar traits that EW had. Um, for those who have been around, Eric Williams was a maniac on the field, right? Um, car accident happened, changed his career period just changed his career entirely um there there is something to uh, to that in the sense of tyler's a bit of a maniac on the field you know i i think tyler smith has that nastiness and we talked about this we talked about this leading up to the not leading up to draft coming out of the draft for tyler smith like look we can argue uh technique we can <laughs> we can argue hand placement we can argue one thing you're not going to argue about two things with Tyler Smith, power and nastiness, power and nastiness. And he brought a lot of that to that offensive line, that famed offensive line in the nineties. So, you know, I don't, I don't mind the comparison. You know, a lot of people always say he would have been a hall of famer had that not happened. And there is some merit to that. There's some merit to that. Um, I, I think Tyler, you know, look, Right, look, he definitely had to dominate games. The guru against Reggie and straight. I've seen Tyler, you know. I, mean, I don't know if Vita Vea going to be a Hall of Famer or not, but, you know, won some battles there. I mean, Tyler going to be fine. I ain't worried about Tyler. Not worried about him, man. I, I thought for a rookie who had one or two weeks to prep at left tackle, didn't take a snap. This is what bothered me last. Didn't take a snap. <laughs> At left tackle last year. These dudes arrogant enough to think Tyron Smith was going to play all year. Okay. And then, you know, as he's recovering from his ankle sprain, hey, dog, I know the season's a week away, but we're going to need you to play left tackle. Didn't start off fantastic because I think he got his quarterbacker, but eventually settled in. And I think he was a guy that, you, you know, you weren't necessarily worried about over there as the season went along. Um, and even showed, look at that, even showed some strength inside. And when I say strength, I mean being able to play inside and, and adding that to his resume. So, man, Tyler going to be fine, man. Tyler going to be fine. All right, y'all, good talk today. Uh, I knew the offensive line talk would, would be a good one. Um, eventually, we'll, we'll circle back to the interior probably when I come back from the break. 
I uh, believe tomorrow I'm going to switch things up a bit. I got a I got a cool little segment or call it show, whatever you want to call it for tomorrow. Just you know how I am, man. I, I don't like to, to sit on my hands. I try to switch things up and then have a good time when we do these these shows and we're in a dead period. So I'm going to switch it up tomorrow and then Friday. We'll see. Maybe we'll end it on on. Uh, just a fan Friday, maybe get some questions in or maybe we'll, we'll revisit the state of the unit. I got another unit that I want to talk about that revolves around the trenches as well. So make sure y'all come on back tomorrow. Mo is out all of this week, uh, as I stated yes or last week. So there will be no primetime show uh, for Mauricio, but he should be back the following week um, for Mo. All right. And then where are we at here? 20, what y'all 21 days? About 21 days, roughly, training camp. Look to see a lot of the creators down there, content creators, uh, covering the team. And if you do, if you see us, when I say us, I mean me and Vach, but if you see all of us, make sure you, uh, you know, come through, highlight us. Love, love chatting it up with y'all, man. Love chatting it up. That's right, Professor O, State of the Unit, long snapper. <laughs> all right, man, press this button. Get up out of here. Good stuff today. Really, really good talk. Come on, come on. Big E? Um, usually when people have neck injuries in, in, in wrestling, somehow, some way they find their way back. But this one sounded sounded legit for Big E. Hope it get better. Let me talk to you. It did my boy LA Night dirty, but it's cool. I'm actually not that upset with the result of MITB, but maybe I'll talk about that with y'all on, on Twitter. We out of here. Love y'all. Peace. Collab shows during camp? Likely. Shoot, we, we're actually trying to set up some collab shows with .com, so... Uh, stay tuned to that. How dope would that be? <laughs> End up seeing me and Watch on .com for an episode. Brian Broadus, Bobby Bell. We're, we're in talks. We're going to see what's up. Bomb Squad!